Everybody and welcome to Resonant Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast. My name is Richard, KB5JBV, and I'm your host. Thank you once again for downloading us. Uh, we sure do appreciate it. Boy, we are definitely getting some serious downloads every month now. And uh, with the uh, addition of the live show, we're hoping that uh, y'all will be even more enthusiastic about the program. I'd like to say uh, hello to all my friends out there on Facebook. Resonant Frequency is now on Facebook. Y'all go over there and check that out. Uh, it may have more information than the website. may not. I'm not real sure. I'm just getting into it and learning about it. But uh, y'all go over there. If you're on Facebook, go over and bookmark Resonant Frequency on Facebook. And speaking of uh, things like that, I'd also like to say hello to all my friends out there on Twitter. We are growing by leaps and bounds over on Twitter. So uh, y'all go over and, and hook in. At the very least, you'll be able to get, uh, get announcements when we're doing a live show or uh, we've released a new episode of the podcast. All right, this time around, uh, let's see, we actually have some feedback this time around. I'm almost afraid of what I'm going to find when I open these messages. Now, y'all uh, take into account some of these we needed filler on the live show, so some of these we may have already gone over, but uh, for those of you who didn't hear the last episode, which was the uh, uh, audio feed from the live show, uh, we'll go ahead and uh, run over these real quick. First one up we've got up is from KF7AME, Mike. I just found the podcast, and I am in the process of catching up on your back episodes. I just wanted to stop and thank you for your statements on one of your later podcasts about new hams not being able to afford everything at once. I got my first license in March and then upgraded to general last month, so I am as green as they come. My Elmer, bless his heart, is great. However, he keeps trying to discourage me from putting up wire antennas and playing around, in quotations marks. Uh, he can't understand why I don't just plunk down $400 for a multiband vertical. I'm still trying to keep my wife from finding out how much I, my HF rig really cost me, let alone my Smith & Wesson 357. Uh, she keeps asking me to get groceries and stuff. Anyway, thanks for the podcast. And that's from Mike K7, KF7 AME. Well, Mike, thank you. And uh, I'm glad you appreciate the podcast. And uh, let me tell you, I come up the hard way. When, uh, when I first got my license, I was working at a job where I made probably a quarter an hour over minimum wage, which... Uh, probably translate to a dollar an hour over that now but uh, the whole point is that it took me a long time to accumulate what i've got and in fact it hadn't been too terribly long ago that i had a big sell-off of a bunch of equipment over here to help finance further amateur radio endeavors so uh, don't take it to heart you know these guys they're just some folks out there that can run out and throw down four hundred dollars and it doesn't make a difference but in a lot of cases uh, there's more of us than there are of them. So you go ahead and put that wire in the area, uh, in the air. I will tell you right now, it will, uh, darn sure serve you well. And isn't that one of the things we're supposed to do as amateur radio operators, get the most out of the least or get the most out of what we got. Oh, well, moving on, we have one from, uh, Barry K four R U E and Barry writes, as a new ham, October of 2006, I have just turned on 
to your podcast. What a great thing. Sounds great and love the info. I've only scratched the surface of the hobby and the podcast is really letting me know what else there is out there in amateur radio. Love the musical interludes, interludes along with everything else. Times are tight, but we'll see if we can't send a little little something your way in the near future. And that's from Barry, K4RUE. Well, thank you, Barry. And uh, let me tell you, there's a lot of people gripe about that music. <laughs> Unfortunately, the ones who like it are in the majority. So uh, as long as they're in the majority and they're still liking it, then I guess we're going to keep doing it. You know, uh, this is a... Uh, not amateur radio news line and is sure enough not that crappy ARRL uh, audio news. Uh, we do our best to get y'all the best show possible, uh, even though from time to time it kind of is not. But that's okay. We're working on that. So uh, thank you, Barry. And next up, we have uh, have one from N0JRJ, George. And George writes, a fairly long one, uh, I really like your podcast. It makes my drive to work from Salina to Richardson, which is over here close to where I'm at, much more enjoyable. I like the idea of a live show and a round table, which we have started that. We're still trying to firm the schedule up, y'all, and I'll talk about that in a few minutes. I have a pretty good audio set up at home and would like to participate. Boy, I forgot to tell you about that. Uh, I like talking about the uh, hobby and it would also give me uh, some podcast experience may i say too that i like your attitude towards new hams in a recent podcast you talked about aprs and how some hams must feel left out of the hobby because they cannot get the latest and greatest hardware i run aprs daily but know it uh, took me forever to get that dual band rig I have always been on a budget as far as my radio stuff goes and being married 30 plus years to the same woman can tell can tell you that every purchase has to be approved by the boss. <laughs> Don't I know that? I think we lose a, a lot of young hams these days because quite frankly a lot of hams just don't seem to want to do the Elmer thing and help them out. It is a shame. Heck, I have been snubbed on HF more times than I can count trying to get in on a QSO with some of these big gun old timers that park on a frequency for hours on end. I was told one time that my low power signal was really messing up their QSO and that I should go somewhere else. Not exactly what I would call a hobby building or welcoming attitude. Anyway, my call sign is N0JRJ. I am a general class ham. I work in the uh, telecom field, have a lot of uh, PC and radio experience. I like portable emergency operations, digital modes. Heck, I like it all. I love to share and teach, and I love to learn. Please let me know if I can help in any way. 73 is OM. And all the best. That's from George in Zero JRJ. And George, if you're listening, doggone it. I was gonna remind I was gonna shoot you an email when we did the live show and I forgot to do it. Please get in contact with me and uh we'll make sure that the schedule is made available to you so that you have it. As for the rest of you, uh we'll talk about uh where you can get the schedule when it happens in a little bit all right the next one's from kirk kg6 hpf and kirk writes thank you for helping me pass my general ticket exam you know i get told that i tear down the hobby that's what the people keep telling me they tell me that i'm one of those people that tears down the hobby well we won't even go into that right now um thank you me to pass my general ticket exam i passed my tech license in august of 2001 and try it on and off to study for the general exam. After listening to your resonant frequency podcast, you really got my interest going again to study and pass the general exam. Thanks to you, I got my general ticket in April of this year. I have yet to use my new privileges. We'll hopefully get on HF soon. 
Thanks again, Kirk, KG6HPF. And Kirk, those are the kind of stories I like to hear. You know, I've, I've spent years trying to teach. I've always enjoyed teaching people what I know. And it doesn't matter if when I was in the, the printing industry, when I was running security companies, uh, all the different professions I've had over the years, I've always ended up in a position of training people, and I've always enjoyed it. I had somebody uh, a few episodes back in feedback say something about uh, uh, natural trainer. No, it's a lot of years of practice, but I always like to teach people what I know. Uh, shoot, I'm not happy if they don't know everything I know. So... Uh, you just keep on keeping on, buddy, and uh, you keep us updated because i got a feeling you'll be an extra class very soon. All right, our next piece of email comes from Lance, K7LDS. He's another guy here local, and um, he, he offered uh, some suggestions for the show. Uh, Lance writes, suggestion, instead of trying to say complete URLs during the show, refer listeners to the show notes at the website. I listen to your podcast while driving and jogging or whatever and find it hard to write down the information. I usually check show notes of other podcasts for info I heard during the show. Your show is very informative and I like listening to all the segments. Wow. Uh, the live show was a bit distracting because you would laugh and comment on things you saw, but I, I could not listen to a uh, TV program without watching the video and you'll see what I mean. Enjoy Lance K7 LDS. Okay, Lance, thank you for your comments and uh, you know, we keep missing each other on the repeater, so uh it's good to finally hear from you over there. Uh as far as the show notes and stuff, long-time listeners, all you long-time listeners know that I am horrible with show notes. My show notes are probably the worst of any podcast ever. And uh, unfortunately, this is a one-man operation over here. Linux and Ham Shack is not. But uh, I do this all by myself. So uh, I will take that suggestion under advisement and try to do better in the future. Uh, but uh, you guys that are listening out there, if any of y'all are interested in helping out by doing show notes... I could sure use somebody. Uh, the pay, well, there's not none, but it would make you part of the show. So <laughs> if uh, any of y'all are interested in helping out with that, get a hold of me at kb5jbv at blacksparrowmedia.com. And then we can uh, make things easier for uh, Lance and myself, come to think of it, because a lot of times I go check out the show notes and uh, – even though a lot of the shows that I I listen to, their their show notes are almost as bad as mine. Uh, occasionally, there's one out there that's uh, absolutely perfect, <laughs> like Going Linux of all places. All right, and last but not least, we have another mention from uh, Lance over in the forums. Oh, by the way, we have a new forum moderator over there. Y'all go over and say hello. Uh, but back to feedback. And Lance writes in the forums, uh, future topics. He would like to see some future topics. How about mobile installation hints? I recently installed a mobile in my minivan and am having trouble with on HF while transmitting a high SWR. I think a lot of hams today are mobile, and this would help. Try, try it out and see what happens. Maybe there are some Elmers out there that can offer advice and that once again is from lance k7 lds well first of all uh check your coax lance and make sure that you didn't accidentally strip the uh strip the jacket off the outside while you were pulling the coax if that's not a, a possibility then make sure that your mount is grounded well and as for you other guys out there yeah send us your, your stuff write me a little tutorial uh get on your computer and most computers most laptops anyway nowadays have a microphone on them and uh, do us an audio segment on installations you know if it ends up running more than 30 minutes then we'll split it up over a couple of episodes you know that may allow us to put out uh, two episodes in a month instead of one 
and that kind of stuff. You know, uh, y'all share the knowledge. But at the very least, go on over to the forums at blacksparrowmedia.com and, uh, you know, sign in over there and send a few messages back and forth, and let's see if we can't help Lance out. You know, uh, this high HF thing, you know, many of he says minivan, and uh, I had a, a Dodge minivan. I never ran HF in. Uh, I never had SWR issues, and uh, in fact, the only vehicle so far since I even got licensed that I ran HF in, well, if you don't count 10 meters, was uh, was uh, the ghetto mobile for yo- you guys local, which was a 1990. 1990 Olds Cutlass Sierra and uh, wasn't finding that issue unless I was up under a tree or something but Lance I'll check into this and we'll get back to you okay well that's plenty of feedback let's talk about what else has been going on over at uh, Resident Frequency holy mackerel we're already a good chunk in Um, we're going to have to get moving All right, Uh, I mentioned we're on Facebook I mentioned we're on Twitter uh, have I mentioned I'm on, I've been on Linux cranks, Linux cranks. The uh, guys over at Linux cranks have invited me to join in on their show a couple times. I'm hoping that it, this may uh, continue and, uh, hope y'all are, uh, interested in at least taking a listen to that at some point. But, uh, also they've, uh, asked me to play a promo for Ohio limit Linux fest. And I'll play that when we, uh, get ready to go to the break. But uh, we've got that. We've got a regular page. We've got everything else. Uh, I'm not going to be at Ohio Linux Fest, but for those of y'all that are interested in Linux, you may be able to catch Russ K5TUX out there. Uh, he told me today that he is probably going to be able to make it that direction. Uh, it does, things don't work out that way here for me, so uh, we're just gonna we're gonna see how that pans out. Uh, I am looking to make some of the ham fests down here local, and we will check into that also. Okay, anything else before we go? I always forget something or miss something or, or uh, I don't even know. But, uh, oh, yes, let's talk about the live show, Resonant Frequency Live. We are working on uh, doing episode two of Resonant Frequency Live. It is just a matter of... Uh, being able to get our all our ducks in a row and get over and get it going uh, one evening. And unfortunately, we haven't had a chance to do it, but we're fixing to get back to that. I'm going to work on setting up a schedule. Um, with any luck, it will probably run the night just following the live recording of Linux and Ham Shack. But uh, that is still yet to be firmed up. We're trying to get you all more shows out of the general Black Sparrow Media uh uh, download area, get y'all uh, two or three shows a month, and that kind of stuff. If any of y'all are interested, all you need is a microphone. You'll be able to join in. We'll be able to uh, pull you pull your audio in and everything else. Resonant Frequency Live is going to be more of a roundtable discussion kind of show as opposed to a feature-oriented show like this one is. Okay, uh, y'all can check that out over at uh, Ustream.tv, Resonant Frequency. Uh, resonant frequency live uh, resonant dash frequency dash live zero and that's simply because i screwed up the previous account so check that out go over to uh, black sparrow media and check out the forums uh come see me on identica identica or twitter um Y'all make sure y'all check the website for uh, announcements on when we're going to have Resonant Frequency Live. And I'm sure there's something else, and I've probably forgotten it, but we'll talk about it at the end of the show. All right, so y'all uh, y'all hang loose a minute. Let me run this promo, and then we'll throw a little music on behind it, and then we will get down to the main feature. Come celebrate 40 years of Unix at the Ohio Linux Fest from September 25th through the 27th. If you use GNU Linux, BSD, OpenSolaris, or any Unix or Unix-like system, you belong at Ohio Linux Fest. Register free today at ohiolinux.org. All right. All right. Here we go. 
Okay, so I think this time. Um, this uh, particular segment's probably not going to be uh, super coherent, <laughs> uh, but we'll give it a shot. Um, I've been thinking about this since field day because I got a got a question about it out there. And I've uh, been rolling it around, trying to put it together, and having trouble getting it to coalesce. But we'll go ahead and uh, give it a shot and see how it pans out. Okay. A um, year or so back at uh, Field Day or Ham Radio in the Park or one of the other functions I go to on occasion, um, I was talking with another radio operator, Bob, KC5JTF, and uh, I proposed to him that the uh, Arrow dual band VHF UHF antenna that he was using, he could probably make one very similar out of rifle cleaning rods. Now, this would allow for him to be able to assemble and disassemble the antenna out in uh, out in the wilds, as it were, without a lot of hassle and uh, have something that was perfectly usable. For those of you who have been around uh, firearms, you you will know that uh, cleaning rods are, for the most part, made out of uh, brushed aluminum. So uh, that would make them a pretty good radiator. Now, when he brought it back up field day, we were discussing it, and he said, well, do you think it will be uh, broadbanded enough which is not exactly what he said, but I'm paraphrasing. But will it be wide enough to cover the 2-meter band and the uh, 440 band? Or 2-meter 70 centimeters, or 144 and 440? But what I uh, explained to him was, is that it would probably be 10 or 12 megahertz wide on uh, UHF, depending. And he looked at me and said, what? I said, look, Bob, we uh, have two dimensions with wire or conductors, whatever we use to build antennas out of. And the majority of the time, we spend most of our time worrying about the length of the conductor. We rarely put a lot of thought into the diameter of the conductor or the width of the conductor. I've heard of people running antennas that are shunt-fed uh, push-up poles, rain gutters, co- copper pipe, wire, twin lead, all kinds of stuff. Some of the things we don't take into account, like I said, is the diameter. Now, the first and most important thing is that you can put a whole lot of signal down a little tiny wire. I've known people that have run magnet wire, which for those of y'all, magnet wire is only probably... 28 or 32 gauge at the most and even probably even smaller than that on occasion but i've known people that have put 100 watts through them without any ill effects the first thing you have to understand is that because copper and aluminum are not perfect conductors uh they are not the almighty superconductor that we've all waited so long for that haven't arrived yet that when you put a signal down those wires there's resistance and when you have current and resistance uh, there's a byproduct which is heat you dissipate some of the energy as heat so in the case of magnet wire you wouldn't want to put a kilowatt down it for sure but there are cases where you could probably quite safely put 100 watts down it Another thing we need to take into consideration is that we use all kinds of stuff. We use everything from that thin magnet wire all the way up to pieces of conduit, one-inch pieces of PVC pipe, three-quarter inches, not PVC pipe, copper pipe, and all kinds of stuff. Now, let me tell you, I had a copper J-pole, a copper cactus, that was resonant over about 60 megahertz. It was pretty broad-banded. Something else you need to take into account is that as you go up or down in frequency, that particular conductor will become have a broader bandwidth, 
or a smaller bandwidth. Now, talking when we're talking about bandwidth, just to set an area or just to set a definition so that we know what Richard's talking about when he says bandwidth. When I say bandwidth, I mean the point at which uh, you have a 2.1 SWR on the bottom end and a 2.1 SWR on the top end. Everything between those two points is what we're going to call bandwidth. Now, the reason for that is 2.1 is about when the cutback circuits start happening in these new solid-state radios. You guys that are running some of those old boat anchor tube rigs, y'all don't worry about it because it's going to transmit at full power no matter what you do. When we're talking about bandwidth on these radiators, one of the most common uh, things that I use around here, in fact, I have two 500-foot spools of it, is number 12 new number 14 wire that is what i keep around here for building antennas Uh, i'm a wire antenna guy don't like commercial built antennas never have cared for them so for uh, the sake of this discussion you guys that uh, decide y'all want to send some negative feedback please make sure you have at least one antenna and it is not a g5 rv or one wire antenna, and it is not a G5RV. Now, I have built 20-meter antennas, 20-meter dipole, or uh, inverted Vs, and put them in the air that, out of this number 14 wire, that have been inside the bandwidth limit all the way across the 20-meter band. All the way across the 20-meter band. Now, if you go up to the 10-meter band, which is roughly double the frequency, you end up with roughly double the bandwidth. And there are programs out there for figuring these phenomena, or figuring these things, but uh, just take my word on it at this point. You can check it out later. One of the problems I'm finding is there's not a lot of information out on the Internet about this particular aspect of building antennas. So, as I said before, if you double that frequency, you go to double the bandwidth. Now, um, something else I want to throw into the mix here is the fact that A lot of people think that you can increase the 2.1 bandwidth by making the conductor bigger, using a larger conductor. Well, take into account that, yes, you can do that. But to get any substantial bandwidth increase due to uh, conductor size, you will have to increase the size of that conductor Well, to get double the bandwidth, you will have to increase that conductor 100% 100 times, or 100 to 1, which means it's going to be kind of a tough proposition to double your bandwidth that way. Now, something else we need to take into consideration is that, uh, say you're using number 12 wire which is slightly bigger. And uh, if you're using number 12 wire, it may be at 14 megahertz, it may be 80% of a megahertz, 80 to 85% of one megahertz. That would be, I guess, 800 kilohertz or 850 kilohertz. But when you go down to 75 meters, you're only going to get 0.19 megahertz out of that, 190 kilohertz. But if you go back the other direction, you're going to get uh, 1.9 megahertz in bandwidth. Now, I understand this is probably hard for some of you computer guys because when y'all think of bandwidth, it's a whole different thing. But uh, we're talking the distance that you can spin up down that dial and stay within 2.1. So back to Bob's conductors. Now, if he takes these uh, 
the shotgun cleaning rods, which are about a quarter inch in diameter. Maybe not that much, maybe an eighth inch or somewhere in between. And uh, he cuts them the right length for the center of the band. Then he is probably going to have an antenna that not only is good for the 8 megahertz of the uh, VHF band, or 2 meters. He's also going to have one that is easily capable of uh, staying resonant across the 440 band. Simply because, as you guys may or may not have noticed, for the most part, with a few exceptions... As you go up, each band is about twice the size of the one below it. Something else we want to take into account, since we use a lot of wire for not just building antennas, we use them for hooking up radios and that kind of stuff. Some of the same things apply on both. I mean, you're going to want heavier wire for longer antennas. Now, I use number 14 for everything because it's overkill on one, it's underkill on the other. But, well, no, it's effective on the other. And uh, it's also more durable because once I get it put together and got my strain reliefs on it and everything, it'll it'll take this Texas hail we have. It'll take birds sitting on it. It'll take everything. One thing we haven't mentioned is copper clad or aluminum clad, which is more of a more of a tubing than an actual wire because it works like a tubing but we may save that for another episode now as far as wire length is concerned you know if we take a look at hooking up a radio in your car in the case of your radio and car you want to hook up a wire that runs from say your battery to the radio inside the inside the passenger compartment. Now at 12 volts, number 14 gauge wire will handle 40 amps. Now you want that to uh, be enough to run that radio with. Now I don't have the figures right off my head because I have uh, written it down in the past, but I'm willing to bet you that... Uh, that the uh, 100 amp or 100 watt rig is going to pull less than 12 amps or about 12 amps and that's probably not right because I don't have the opportunity to to uh, bring it up right now but in the case of that 16 gauge would do just as well now don't get me wrong on longer runs I mean if you're running wire from your battery to your tail light you need to go up one size Well, it's the same thing with uh, this wire that you use, your conductor size, when you're building antennas. Now, Bob, Bob is going to run about 35 watts. So when I have this discussion with him, I'm going to talk to him about 35 watts. And I know he's going to run 35 watts because I've seen his rig. He has an HTX202 that he uh, runs into a 35-watt Mirage amplifier. And... uh, he probably gets right at about 35. So, power is not going to be a great consideration with him because he's going to have line losses and this kind of stuff. But in the case of a J-Pole, he's going to compensate for some of that. Now, if he was going to put 1,500 watts through it, then we might consider, simply because of the uh, connection points on these uh, gun cleaning rods, we might consider going with slightly bigger and figuring out a way to make a better electrical connection. Because once again, you have heat dissipation due to resistance and all that good stuff. So y'all are probably wondering where is he going with this? Quite frankly, I can't tell you. Well, the point is that uh, 
Well, let, let me do it this way. I explained uh, radio frequencies to, to uh, a new ham a few years back this way. Imagine you have a chain-link fence. Now, invisible light, that chain-link fence, appears to be wires set up in a grid. It's got squares and all this other stuff. Now, because of the wavelength of the light that you're looking at that chain-link fence in, it looks like a chain-link fence. However, if the light were shifted down into the red far enough, and I'm going to repeat this a different way, but when the light is shifted far enough down into the red and the wavelength of the light becomes so long, that chain-link fence will turn into a solid plate of steel while you're looking at it if you were able to do that. Consequently, if you went up the other way, it'd disappear completely, eventually. Now, where radio frequencies come into it, it's pretty much the same way. I'm sure some of y'all know somebody somewhere that laid a piece of chain-link fence or a piece of chicken wire or something down covered it up with dirt and then put their antenna on top of it so it could present a ground okay well same thing say you're looking at that chain link fence and uh, we were talking about reflectivity of objects at the time anyway say you're looking at that chain link fence and the radio waves you're putting out it looks just like a chain link fence so the distance or the length of the wire in each of those squares on each side of one of those squares was about the same size as the wavelength of the frequency you're on. As you crank that frequency down, the wavelength gets longer. The the holes in the chain link fence start to close up, and by the time you get down far enough, you've got a solid wall of steel. As you crank that frequency up and go up past where you began it becomes less and less and less of an issue. This all has to do with diameter of conductor. So a couple more things put on you. I have run uh, dipole antennas for years. I know that I'm going to get that I can't get on the emergency frequency here where they have the, uh, the Aries net on 3873 and go to... 3935 which is where they hold one of the hurricane nets on an antenna that's tuned somewhere in between that I will not be able to go to both and stay within my 2 to 1 bandwidth with the size wire I use if I had a much thicker conductor I could probably do that but I also know that I can have built 300 ohm twin lead antennas for apartments that were perfectly happy work working all the way across the two meter band so go out and do some research check some of this stuff out like i said there's not a lot of stuff out there and you old timers y'all could help out y'all could uh research this a little bit and uh help these guys out exploring some of this stuff you know there's antenna building software out there there's great books i've had people ask me for suggestions on antenna books quite often here lately there's a lot of good ones out there i hate to recommend but uh you know i know the ones that have worked for me and remember wire anybody's trying to steer you away from wire you remember that Amateur radio is a practice in frugality, being frugal. From the QRP guy to the guy that builds wire antennas to the guy that builds beams in his backyard. You know, even the guys that uh, go to other operating systems to extend the life of a computer that they've been using for years in the shack and don't want to replace yet. So y'all keep that in mind. And uh, I hope this works for y'all. It's been a very rough month, and uh, 
we've gotten some things taken care of, but we're uh, we're still trying to catch up. However, thank goodness for Choctaw Bingo in Oklahoma because I come home $200 richer the other day. It's nice to have things like that in between your home and your job. So with that, y'all, uh, y'all go check these things out. And uh, I guess we'll move on to the next segment.
you go. Uh, that pretty much brings us to the end of another Resonant Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast. Looks like I got the microphone in the wrong place. I've been doing so many different things here lately, I just can't keep everything where it's supposed to be. All right, let me remind you all about we're on Facebook. Uh, y'all uh, look for Resonant Frequency Podcast on Facebook, uh, and you'll, it'll take you right to the fan page. Or click down at the bottom of the uh, main page on the website, and that'll take you over there, too. Uh, follow me on Twitter, Identica. I'm KB5JBV on both of those. If you'd like to send me an email, send that to KB5JBV at BlackSparrowMedia.com. And y'all don't forget, if you're in the, in the area or close enough to get there, to go to the Ohio Linux Fest. Uh, go check out some open source software because... Whether you believe it or not, open source software and amateur radio go hand in hand. Of course, the guys that want you to go out and buy a $400 antenna, uh, they, uh, they wouldn't know that. Okay, uh, y'all make sure that you check out the uh, website for uh, information on Resonant Frequency Live. Uh, we will be doing another show, live show sometime this month, and... Uh, uh, you can keep informed by checking out the website at uh, rfpodcast.info, uh, following me on Twitter, checking out the Resonant Frequency uh, page at Facebook. We're just getting more and more ways to inform you all of these, these things that we got going on. And uh, it looks like Jerry Taylor and myself, uh, this is something else that... Uh, uh, I had neglected to mention, uh, Jerry Taylor had mentioned something to me about, uh, he and I, he, uh, was going to go down to Belton for those of y'all here in Texas, the, uh, Belton ham fest. Uh, I am planning making plans, firming up plans to get there myself. So you may be able to catch both of us out there, but out there at Ohio Linux fest, make sure that y'all, uh, keep your eyes open for Russ K five T U X from the other show. And, uh, if you run into him, uh, reach out and shake his hand. Go buy him a soda, something. You know, I'm worried about Russ. He's so small and puny that we may just, uh, a good puff of wind may blow him away. All right. I can't think of a whole lot else other than the uh, music on this podcast has been provided by IOTA Promo Net, except for the uh, opening and closing music, which comes from over at the Podsafe Audio uh, Network. And, uh, you can find out more about uh, more about the music by going over to the website and checking out the page. So, we've talked about KB5JBV at BlackSparrowMedia.com, uh, Twitter.com, stroke KB5JBV. I'm not sure what it is on Identica. I'm sure it would be Identica, stroke KB5JBV. Uh, Facebook, uh, Resonant Frequency Podcast. Uh, the website, RFinfo or rfpodcast.info sorry about that rfpodcast.info or go on over to the main site which is blacksparrowmedia.com you can find the forums over there not only for resonant frequency the amateur radio podcast but also for uh, Linux and Ham Shack now I want y'all to remember I didn't gripe and complain about uh, donations I, it completely slipped my mind however Y'all be prepared for that the next time. <laughs> All right. So uh, with that, thanks to everybody here local. Thanks to everybody out there. Thanks to Russ, who's really my savior on the other show. Thanks to the guys over at Linux Cranks. Uh, I'd like to say a, a special hello to uh, Azimuth over there. And uh, with that... I guess we pretty much got it covered. Oh, no, we didn't cover it all because I'd like to thank the dogs for not barking and carrying on while I'm trying to do this. Uh, and no intrusions from the family. So it's been uh, really successful this particular time. Okay, with that, y'all hang loose. Check out the uh, sites for information on Linux and Ham or Resonant Frequency Live. Yeah, I almost did it. Uh, Resonant Frequency Live. And we will see y'all in a couple weeks.